If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello and a happy Thursday, everybody. AJ Salveson here on the Full Court Press, 401 through kickoff time. And here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Grateful to have you joining us, however and wherever you are doing so from. I mean, if you are streaming from 1069thefan.com, find all our past and previous episodes on our podcast platform of Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. Just type in Eric's name, my name, of the Full Court Press. We have past interviews, episodes, and all of it. So forth uh, from interview with uh, Carl Smith, the trainer of Utah State men's basketball, uh, to Coach Smith, to Coach Anderson, to... Uh, Luke Lofthouse, it, it's all listed there and uh, a bunch of great stuff. So, uh, yeah, jump on our podcast platform and uh, take a listen to At Your Heart Content. Today we have a pretty good uh, and full show. Uh, Adam Rittenberg of ESPN, uh, we pre-recorded with him just earlier this afternoon. Uh, had a chance to talk some college football. Uh, what is the future of college football this, this season? How serious is the, it of uh, the chance of having it postponed or even canceled? And what is, or excuse me, what or if is the solution to uh, to when they can resume playing college football? He's not as optimistic as you would hope. Let's put it that way. Uh, and then, of course, at 4.30, we'll have our Utah State gymnastics coach, Amy Smith, will be joining us. Uh, we'll talk about their wonderful season, uh, but the unfortunate opportunity to not be able to compete in the national tournament because of COVID-19, like so many other sports, like so many other teams, uh, had it cut short, but a very terrific season in itself, and a lot of a lot of good things to uh, remember back on. Uh, a reminder for tomorrow, uh, for the full court press uh, today, we uh, Eric and I had the chance to uh, talk with Sam Merrill for about twenty five or so minutes, and, and just talk about his time at Utah State, uh, playing underneath Craig Smith, the Mountain West tournament, and now, of course, looking to the future of the NBA. And by the way, he, the people I talk to, he has a good shot of getting drafted. Very good shot of getting drafted. Uh, and then he also talks just a little bit about, uh, gives a bit of a preview or a teaser to the 2020-21 Utah State men's basketball team. We recorded that today. We will play it tomorrow due to time constraint. Uh, it's about 25 minutes long, and with when we have... Uh, Amy Smith of Gymnastics and I got Adam Rentenberg. We're uh, we're gonna let them take over today's stuff, but then we will again set aside tomorrow for Sam Merrill, and uh, you'll you'll be able to hear from one of the greatest to ever play in an Aggie men's basketball uniform, and you'll love some of his answers. We talked about J.C. Carroll, the whole M.J. LeBron debate. He even gets into a little bit of that, uh, and so uh, yeah. But appreciate Sam Merrill uh, taking some time out of his day today to join us. Um, he's obviously getting ready for a what he hopes is a chance to be able to go play at uh, at the professional basketball level in the NBA. There is that opportunity for Europe, but as you'll hear tomorrow, he's not even thinking about Europe. He's thinking about playing in the National Basketball Association, and you'll hear his thoughts more on that. Uh, a reminder, if you ever want to text into the show, you can do so at 435-494-9934. Again, that's 435-494-9934. Nine nine three four. So today we had a chance to, uh, as I said, chat with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN. Adam Rittenberg does a great job on college football. Really, really is, uh, has his ears close to the tracks in regards of the people he's able to talk to, uh, the sources he has. It's it's all legit and it's all accurate. He's just extremely, extremely good 
uh, at his job in regards to reporting on college football. And as we go into the interview, you're going to hear him talk about, of course, we lead off with college football. Where does it stand? What does the future look like? Can or will we have a season? And if not, what is a solution to be able to fix that problem? Uh, he wrote a couple articles, one on def- uh, some of the best defenses now and in five years to the future and where a local team stands out. It's not Utah State, by the way. Uh, he also talks a little bit about Jordan Love. He's high on Jordan Love, and he thinks that Jordan Love will go in, in front of a couple of the quarterbacks that are very high or familiar in the name, but that Jordan Love just has a better arm, better mechanics, better eyes, better vision, uh, and he explains more into that. We also talk about the Mountain West Conference football coaching carousel uh, and why he thinks that Nick Rolovich is going to be a good fit in, uh, or excuse me, oh, with uh, Washington State after he uh, took off from Hawaii. So here it is in its entirety. Adam Rittenberg of ESPN joins us here on the Full Court Press. Adam Rittenberg joining us here on the Full Court Press. Adam, thanks for your time. Oh, thanks for having me on. Hey, so what is your life like as a national collegiate, well-known writer? Are you kind of in that limbo mode like everybody else is? Yeah, you know, I mean, I cover primarily college football, so I was going to be helping out with the NCAA tournament like I did last year when I saw Utah State, but, um, you know, that obviously was uh, was canceled, and then, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing now is not completely unlike what I typically do this time of year, except that I know I'm out seeing players and coaches during spring practice, that's not happening, and then we're all uh, kind of looking at the season and, and what could happen for the college football season, whether it'll start on time, whether it'll be shortened, whether it'll be much later. There's a lot of possibilities out there, not knowing when we'll all be kind of out of quarantine and be able to get back to campuses and teams can start practicing together in person. So definitely a lot of uncertainty right now, and there'll be a lot of unique, uh, different type of content, I think, in the next couple of months at ESPN and, and other outlets. Adam, very few people keep as close of an ear um, or fall as closely with college football like you. What are you hearing about the time frame if football will start on time? Or is there genuine and reality concern that they're going to maybe push this back? Yeah, I think there's real concern. I mean, you know, as a Power 5 athletic director told me over the weekend, you know, until they can get back to campus, you know, everything is, is on the table, you know, until you can get back to campus and take classes and assemble in groups that are larger than 10. I mean, think about it, a football team, when you factor in all of the staff and the support staff and everybody that is essentially with a team where it goes through activities, it, it, it can be up to 200 people. So that needs to be cleared from a state level, uh, depending on where you are to even happen before we can talk about practicing and training and getting ready for a season. And so, you know, I've been asking a lot of coaches this week, when's the latest that you can get together and have something, um, you know, be uh, speed ready for the season. Some say June 15th, some say it's July 1st, some are willing to go a little bit later than that. But I, I think if we're still essentially in a shelter in place type of environment in June and July, it's going to be very difficult to start the season on time. What is the solution if they cannot start the season on time? I think the first step would be to uh, eliminate non-conference games, especially the you know the so-called buy games with from the where where, where teams are getting a lot of money uh, from a group of five or FCS level to play at the Power Five schools. I think they would still honor those contracts, but um, those games would be the first to go. So you could have you know shorter schedules, nine games, eight games, ten games 
completely conference schedule. Uh, that would probably be the, the next alternative and still keep the existing postseason structure. But another model that has to be considered at this point is whether this is uh, something, a sport that can be played in uh, 2021, early 2021, um, as either a split season or a, a spring-only type season, which would be wild to think about college football being played in February and March and April, maybe with the postseason in May. So that's all on the table because, as you know, without football, a lot of these athletic departments would be in just major financial trouble. A lot of the smaller programs would be in major danger of being eliminated. Um, it would just cause all sorts of issues if they can't get the season in at all. So I think as a last resort, uh, the spring is in play here for college football. So if they do eliminate the conference games, what does an independent team say like BYU do? Right. Well, I, you know, I think that would be a real challenge for, for Tom Homo and, and, and everybody at BYU. Uh, same with Notre Dame, same with um, Liberty. Uh, you know, how do you maintain a schedule other than playing one another? Um, you know, I think in the case of BYU, maybe that's the non-conference game that some teams would still keep. If you're, lim- if you're limited to, say, eight conference games and one non-conference game or nine conference games and one non-conference game, maybe BYU remains on enough of those schedules uh, but I think you would have to have to get creative. It'd be very difficult to fill out a complete schedule, especially if you're on the schedule with Notre Dame as well. You know, if a school has a choice to play one of the two, they're probably playing Notre Dame. So it's um, it, it would really challenge a lot of these uh, a, a lot of these independents, and overall, there would be some real scrambling. I think from a scheduling standpoint. Adam, I stalk your work on Twitter like nobody else, probably to a scary manner, but it's so good. I was, uh, I really saw something uh, about the Alabama players are able to wear Apple Watches during their workouts, and you had actually brought up the, a really good point that there's that, that scary great area of issue and compliance. How do coaches handle this situation where they're not able to work in person with their players? Right. Well, I mean, I I think coaches would love to be able to monitor things like workouts and and what are players actually doing on their own time um, from a, from a training standpoint, but that's not the case at every school. Every school has to work through their own compliance and their league compliance and how much can they really be a big brother at this time of year uh, or this, in this situation when they're not physically with their players. And so, uh, you know, all these players have, have had workouts distributed to them by their training and conditioning coaches um, coaches are sometimes meeting, um, you know, a couple of times a week with the players virtually. Uh, some some teams are doing a lot less. Uh, I talked to some coaches at Navy over the last week. They're really trying to back off and allow their players to finish up their academics and get all that in order instead of spending a lot of time on football. You know, not surprisingly, Alabama is a little more hands-on with the football part of it. But um, I think coaches are having to uh, do their jobs in, in ways that are they've never done before or never really prepared to do when they're not physically with their players. I mean, you, you know it being around a college program. You know, football players are, are, are around each other all the time. It's not just during the season. It's winter conditioning. It's spring ball. It's um, even you know going into summer. There's a few weeks maybe they get off where they can go home for, for maybe two or three weeks at a time, but, but they're never home this long. And so uh, that's, that's a real concern for coaches because – they don't know where these guys uh, are eating in some cases. They, they, they're concerned about some of their environments. They're not as safe as they are when they're on campus. And so, but that's just the reality uh, of where we're at right now until 
uh, these guys are allowed to return to campus. Adam Rittenberg of ESPN joining us here on the Full Court Press. Adam, I know you do a great job covering the Big Ten. I do want to ask you about Jordan Love. He, uh, of course, now moves on to the NFL draft. Well, I guess the lack of NFL draft, if you will. Have you heard anything on how this quarterback competition in those spots could go and where Jordan Love could fit? Yeah, I think he's fitting really well. He's not going to be drafted ahead of Joe Burrow or Tua Tungavailoa. I'd be very surprised if he's drafted ahead of Justin Herbert, but I think he's likely that next quarterback off the board or one of the next two or three quarterbacks off the board in the first round. I think you know evaluators are very impressed with, with his arm, with his frame, and some of the things he did, especially in the 2018 season. And you, know, you, you imagine him with NFL receivers and – you're being able to, to work with those guys at the highest level. I think, I think people get excited. You know, you, I was on a radio show recently and they were asking me about you know, Jake Fromm and Jalen Hurts, who were much higher profile college players than Jordan Love playing at, uh, at Georgia and Alabama. And then obviously Jalen went and played at Oklahoma. Those guys both have limitations, uh, I think, uh, to their games that Jordan Love doesn't have uh, from a, just from an arm strength standpoint and from a, just a physical standpoint. I, you know, and I think that's why people are excited about a guy like Jordan Love as a first-round pick, you know, probably after those top three quarterbacks. What scares, Pete, what scares NFL draft experts or even GMs and coaches about Jordan Love? I think last season, you know, again, it was, uh, you know, he had a chance to really solidify himself as, as you, know, um, you know, national awards contender. And, you know, there was a coaching change and there was a new coordinator and, and the numbers just weren't as good. And so what happened? You know, those, those types of questions need to be asked. Uh, why, why so many interceptions? You know, uh, was it mostly on Jordan Love? Was it mostly on other people? Was there something with the scheme that just wasn't working as well as it did in 2018 when, when Matt Wells and David Yost were there? So that's, uh, those are questions that, uh, I'm sure he was uh, he was asked at the combine, but um, I, I, again, you know, the NFL drafts on uh, a, 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 a lot of times on your measurables and on what you look like and the things that you can do at the next level if put in the right position. They they, they are confident that you know if, if I draft you, I can make you great because you already have these uh, these natural abilities, and that's what that that's what you just can't uh, you'll create with a guy like Jake Jake Fromm, who I really like, but he's not going to have the arm strength. Of a Jordan Love, of a Tua, of a of a Joe Burrow, um, and and that's why you know, Jacob Eason, you know, th- those types of guys are typically valued a little bit higher. Adam, looking at your uh, article on the, I guess, if, looking ahead of the future for the top twenty-five future defensive power rankings. Even though Ohio State loses Chase Young, you're still a big fan of Ohio State present and then into the future. Can you explain to our listeners why? Well, it's Ohio State. I mean, you just look at how they recruit and um, the pipeline of, of great players that they have coming in, uh, and, and still have. Um, you know, they they uh, they they were not themselves in 2018 on the defensive side of the ball. That was that was the anomaly. You know, last year is the norm when Ohio State's a top five defense and playing like it because they have the players and they have the coaches and they have the scheme that are all aligned. And I think that's uh, safe to assume in the future that they're going to have all of those things. Uh, you know, year after year, they will have to replace Chase up front, but they return all three of their linebackers. Uh, they return uh, some really good players in the secondary, even though they lose another, you know, likely top five pick in Jeff Okuda, who was outstanding this past season at cornerback. Um, you know, from a coaching standpoint, they lose uh, Jeff Hasley, their co-coordinator, but they bring back Greg Madison and they brought back uh, Kerry Coombs from the NFL 
um, to to their staff. He you know, he was arguably their top recruiter on defense alongside Larry Johnson when he was at Ohio State previously under Urban Meyer. So there's just no reason to think their recruiting will drop off, that their development will drop off, that they uh, will somehow not know how to run their scheme. You're talking to coaches in the Big Ten. They, they know that Ohio State has the most talent, but they also have great respect for the coaching staff and how they use those guys and their scheme on a, a year-to-year basis. So uh, Ohio State is one of those programs that you know, a year like 2018, when they were so out of sorts on defense, you're not going to uh, see that very often, and I don't think we're going to see that in the next three years. In that same article, you have the Utah Utes ranked 18th, even though they lose nine starters from this defense. Almost all of them will probably be drafted, including one of their main states of Bradley and I uh, and Lecky Fotu. You still like Utah. Yeah, and it's kind of in a way it's similar to Ohio State. Look at the track record. Uh, when is Utah bad on defense? Almost never. And so, yes, they if it was a one year projection, they're probably not in the top twenty five. But odds are they'll find a way. Kyle Whittingham, Morgan Scalia will find a way to get it, uh, uh, you know, at least respectable this year. And then their track record of development, uh, and they have some guys. I mean, uh, you know, Lloyd at linebacker. Was, uh, was, was impressive last year as a first-year starter. They have veteran defensive linemen who are ready to step in. They just didn't have the opportunity as much last year because they were so good up front and they barely spent any time on the field. And then in the secondary, that's probably where you have a, an immediate drop-off. But again, look at who they typically, uh, uh, who they typically have there uh, by, by the end of their careers. And Utah, as you know, is never going to win a recruiting rankings contest. But uh, look at how many NFL players come out of there. They, they know what they're doing. The staff has great continuity. Um, and uh, I think they're going to be you know, solid enough defensively this year and then most likely really good again in 2021 and 2022. The Mountain West Conference coaching carousel was a big one this year. Uh, what are some of the biggest losses or the biggest upgrades for teams in the Mountain West Conference that you saw? Yeah, from a head coaching standpoint, um, you know, obviously the situation at San Diego State is unique, uh, but in a sense, not a huge shakeup there because Brady Hoke's been the head coach and, you know, was with Rocky Long and, and should be able to maintain you know, some continuity there, especially from what they do and how they win on the defensive side of the ball. I really like the Danny Gonzalez hire at New Mexico. Um, Danny was with, uh, uh, was former New Mexico player, but was at San Diego State with Rocky Long and, and knows that system. And I think will we'll bring a real uh, good mindset to that uh, New Mexico program as, as sort of one of their own um, to, 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 to lead a, a place where uh, it's one of the harder programs in the country at the FBS level. So that'll be a really interesting one. Um, you know, Colorado State was a surprising hire. I, I think it was a head-scratching search, to be honest. Um, thought it was going to be Butch Jones, and it maybe looked like Kevin Wilson of Ohio State, and you end up with Steve Adazio. Um, I, I think Steve's a, a good coach. I just don't know how well he'll do in this part of the country, and never having coached west of Indiana. So certainly an odd fit there at, uh, at Colorado State. Am I missing any there? Are you at UNLV? Um, I, I like the Marcus Arroyo hire there. Hire there. I think he's, uh, uh, he, d- he did a nice job at Oregon. Strong recruiter, uh, good, good, uh, good offensive background. Having spent time at Oklahoma State, and then obviously as the as the Oregon OC, um, so I, I think he, he he'll do well at UNLV again. One of the harder programs to win at in the country. Do you think Nick Rolovich fits in okay at Washington State? I, I think he's a great fit. Um, I actually talked to Rolo earlier this week, and um, you know I, I think he, he even admitted to me I'm not a fit everywhere. 
but I think <laughs> he, he realizes, and, you know, and again, that, that's, he's unique. And I, it's one thing I, I really like about him is he's so different from many coaches out there. But I think a program like Washington State, where you could have a little bit more personality, um, it's not a very buttoned-up program. You know, Mike Leach was there beforehand. He was not a buttoned-up guy. He was more of a, a unique, um, you know, eccentric type. I, said, I think I think Rolo will, will do well. He's already doing a great job connecting with the Washington State fans. We talked about that a little bit. How you know, there's a lot of pride uh, among among Cougs, and he's really uh, connected with those people. And um, I think if if we weren't under all these uh, quarantines, he'd be out doing more kind of in the community. And uh, he's done a great job on social media. I think he'll connect really well with the players and his offense. I mean, look at what he did at Hawaii offensively um, the last few years. You know, they beat two Pac-12 teams last year in Oregon State and Arizona. And uh, I think he'll his recruiting approach will be interesting. I think he, he wants to get a little bit bigger along the line of scrimmage. But you know what you're going to get from that offense. And, and I think that really connects with Washington State. They want offense. They want tempo. They want points scored. I think Rolo will be able to deliver that there. Adam, nobody does it better than you in regards to the college football business. Thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Be safe. Okay, you too. Thanks. He was in awe. <laughs> so okay, thanks, Mike. When we had set up for the interview, he was like, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, asked him how much time he needs or how much time we got with him, and he's like, I think we're good. My son's in the basement, but if he comes upstairs, I gotta go. And I'm like, great. So as soon as it ended, he's like, great, I gotta go. Thanks, Mike. Like, okay, see you later, man. The boy <laughs> is loose. <laughs> no, absolutely great stuff from Adam Rittenberg of ESPN. We were so happy that he joined us. If you want to go to ESPN.com. Follow Adam Rittenberg on his stuff. It's really, really good, intelligent stuff with college football. And he, he's not just a Power 5 guy. He'll, he, he's willing to get his hands dirty in the G5 stuff, too. It's just it's it's all around, non-biased, really good stuff from Adam Rittenberg. And big thank you to him for joining us. So Yeah, uh, yeah I, great, great I, I love the optimism he has about Jordan Love. You know what? He's going to get drafted probably behind, well, 100% behind Joe Burrow. He's probably going to go behind to a Talavea. But then he thinks he's ahead of Herbert and Hurts. Think about that, man. Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts, and he thinks he finishes above them in the draft. So it, it could be really interesting. Yeah, it, it still blows my mind that we're talking about a Utah State player Yeah, among the, the best sought-after quarterbacks in America right now. Yeah, isn't it crazy? And, and the other part with that is, um, is that he's – Jordan's going to shine. Wherever Jordan goes, he's going to absolutely shine. It's just that it's the right team and the right fit, and he has the right leadership above him to help him get to where he should be. Uh, and, you know, another really quickly, another interesting point was the uh, um, was the, the, the conference games, that if they do go past June 1st, which he, he's, he, he thinks it will, it will go past June 1st for this delay, and they have to push it back to, to next spring or whatever it is, to eliminate conference games, or I'm sorry, non-conference games, and just play the conference games only. So then I asked about BYU, and he says, oh, maybe you just find you know uh, a Power 5 team here and a non-Power 5 team here, player rival here. Like, it's it's very out of sorts. The, the, the people who get hurt the most are the Independence team minus Notre Dame. Uh, so BYU is going to get killed in this. And then, of course the lower-level teams who will not be able to fund for other sports because they don't get that money. Yeah, those non-conference games, some of them, those are big-money yep. games that pay for cash. all of 
a lot of more than just football. They pay for a lot of what's going on in their athletic department. And, and to that regard, I think that they might, they just might cancel the college football season and say, look, we can't do it if we can't play these games because we need the money. Yeah, and I, I really like that one question that you asked early on in the interview and you gave that one answer. It was really, really interesting. It's good stuff. Next up is Amy Smith, the head gymnastics coach of Utah State. We're grateful to have her join us here on the show. Uh, we'll talk some gymnastics. Another terrific season, but like a lot of other teams, did not get to showcase it in the uh, National Collegiate Tournament. I'll, I'll be coming up here and more. If we'll start off with on this break with this week in the NFL. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson, Full Court Press here on an April 2nd. The first two days are already going by faster than the whole entire month of March. 4.30 your time here on the 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Hey, Eric, I want to give a quick congratulations to you uh, and, and this company. Uh, you guys hit a record number in views on Cash Valley Daily. Uh, the great work by the talent you guys have and, and then the stories you bring out. Um, you kind of the head of that monster. It just It's an awesome, awesome thing what you guys have put together. And we've got a great staff. Uh, working hard, and these are strange times. Uh, we got people working from home, filing reports, uh, trying to gather what we can. Uh, but it's not just them; it's it's our whole staff here. Um, you know, the people on air that are talking about it, trying to provide information, not be going crazy or inciting panic, but providing information and details, and also finding the good stories that are going on too. So, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It's an awesome. Awesome uh, place to work, great people to work with, and I uh, really appreciate all the people that are uh, visiting our site. You know, support local, right? That's what we're trying to uh, tout in a lot of different ways, and uh, that's another one of them. Support your local news. Um, you know, We are the only locally owned and operated mass media outfit, and so we really do appreciate the people who do support us in those ways. So, Speaking of which, there is a new story today, uh, eight new cases, coronavirus in the Barrow Health District. Um, all in Cache County. Basically, the bottom line of the story, if you're feeling ill, stay home. Somebody was feeling ill, infected several people, who then went and infected several people. So stay home. If you're feeling ill, especially, don't pass this stuff around. Yeah, just stay home. Just obey the orders we, we got. Hey, uh, now joining us here, a very special guest. This is I'm really excited about this because I... Uh, I'm not as familiar as this sport with this sport as I should be, and it is a sport. And the Utah State gymnastics team, what they did this year is phenomenal, and and the the bar that they, no pun intended, but the bar that they raised <laughs> as gymnastics level is is impressive. And uh, we're grateful to have an honor to have uh, the head coach of the gymnastics teams of Utah State University, Amy Smith. Amy or Coach, thank you. Appreciate your time. Hi, I love puns. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and no, not to be left out, Coach of the Year. I mean, that's uh, hey, your third year here. Uh, that's it, it's amazing. It is amazing. I was very shocked, but very honored. So pretty, pretty cool. So this uh, going back through the season, you know, the the way that it started. I mean, Coach of the Year honors. Uh, you had several different players getting 
you know, accolades from the conference overall, but the way that the season started in your couple matches into this, did you think this that was possible? Um, you know, I I thought after uh, after probably the third meet, I think it was the Air Force meet. I I had a feeling. I was like, I really feel like we can get that beam record. And really started honing in on dismounts and and just really hammering down on stuff. Um, as for everything else, that was just kind of just extras that I just, you know, as the season went on, it was just like one thing after another of, of us just getting better and better. And so it was it was pretty incredible, pretty surreal and just really exciting to be a part of. Ajay, they started one in six. And they finished seven, six, and one. It tells you the type of turnaround. Hello, yeah, incredible season. So, how does that happen? Like, what it was? I mean, it was a big coach's speech. What triggered that turnaround for your squad? You know, we we had a moment. I mean, we started off good, and like I was saying, it was that Air Force meet that um, that kind of kicked it in, and and we just kept building and building beyond um, every meet that we went on. So um, at the Air Force meet, I did have a little moment where I had to pull them aside and be like, okay, guys, what are we going to do? You know, we got two choices here. The way we're warming up isn't going to isn't gonna um, translate into what we want to do. So you guys got to make the change or we're going to walk out of here pretty unhappy. And they went back and came out and just handled it. And I think that was kind of the turning point for everybody of like, okay, wait a second. Um and then kind of coming into the last meet um, when we beat BYU and we came back in um, leading into that Utah meet, you could just see the glimmer and the fire in their eyes that they were like, wow, we, we really actually are good and we really have a shot at winning conference and you could just see it. And that was like one of the hardest things with all this, all this pandemic stuff that's happening, just to, to see that confidence really finally you could just see him wearing it, and and it was hard to walk away from that. Beating BYU, ranked 17th in the country. What did that yeah. mean for you personally as a coach, but and and of course for your girls? You know, I mean, as a coach, I I had no idea. I mean, we were we were kind of neck and neck, and then we were behind, and then we went into the last rotation and. And I remember my SID walking up and shaking my hand and being like, "You way to go, coach!" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, in those moments when it, when you're wrapping up a meet, I'm I'm focused on my athletes and and what they're doing and and not paying attention to the scores and whatnot. And so I had no idea. Um, I know the girls had no clue whatsoever because their faces. We didn't tell them. I knew, and I told the staff, um, but when they sat down on the floor to get announced, they, their faces, like jaws on the floor, turning around, looking at us like, oh my gosh, what did we just do? Um, was just, I mean, some of the coolest moments because that happened with Southern Utah too when we when we beat them. Um, so it's, I, I'm just happy for the athletes. They, they worked so hard and um, made a lot of changes this year. And just, it's just so cool as a coach when you see, them buy into the culture that you want to create and the outcome that came from that. And just um, so many of them, you know, getting to experience that and having such a great year, even if it was cut short. I mean, this year will, it, it was incredible. 
Coach, as you alluded to, uh, big victories that you had this year, losing, I don't want to say necessarily losing streaks, but difficult time beating some of these teams. Uh, you mentioned Southern Utah, BYU, Boise State was another one. Uh, and that's yep. facing them. You had your highest score in school history. I mean, tell us about that night. Yeah, you know, that, I mean, going back to that meet, um, we started off a little rough on bars. And and it was that same thing of like, all right, we got two choices. What are we going to do? Do we want to finish this meet out strong? Or, you know, we can continue on this path that we're on. And um, our next event was Beam. And I was like, you guys, you're one of the best Beam teams in the country. Like, let's go out there and show everybody what we're made of right now. And they took it and ran with it, obviously, because that was the meet that we we um, broke that school record on Beam. And it was just, it was incredible. And even more so, aside from that, is that we had an athlete um, that had a uh, season-ending injury there the year before, and it was on Beam. And so she got up and PR'd and hit one of the best beam routines of her life and kind of um, got redemption on on um, on the injury that happened the year before. So there was just, I mean, it just kept building and building and building. And um, as we went to vault, I mean, we had five out of six athletes stick their vault, and it was just absolutely electric and just incredible. Coach, uh, as you've mentioned, you've had some pretty special athletes this year as part of your squad autumn uh the hard it's i mean the, the gymnast of the year co-beam specialist of the year floor specialist of the year yeah. talk a little bit about her and the type of person she is and the type of season that she had oh autumn autumn is absolutely awesome um she's just just so fun to coach and she, she's the person on the team that just keeps it light, but like in the same breath as this fierce competitor, obviously. Um, so she's got that really great balance of that. And she's, I mean, her gymnastics is just, it's on another level. And we ended up changing her beam dismount this year and just so happy that we did because, I mean, she, she was incredible this year. She stuck, I, don't, I think she stuck every dismount on beam uh, all year long. So um, I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy that the conference recognized her as the gymnast of the year. Cause she is a three event gymnast and typically it's for all arounders, but for them to recognize the impact that she's had on our program and the impact, um, and the visibility that she gives to our conference is, um, it's pretty incredible. And I'm just, I'm so proud of her and I'm just so excited cause she's a junior, like we get another year. So it's pretty cool. Coach, uh, I'm, I'm going to scratch your ego for just a moment. Since you've been hired on July 17th, three years ago, uh, you've coached an All-American who was the first one ever to garner All-American honors in a regular campaign, uh, and then was the first one to be named an All-American since 1981 uh, in, in Maddie Sessions. Uh, yep. You were just, as we already brought up, named Coach of the Year. Uh, you, you upset BYU. You upset Southern Utah. Can you just, as when you first came to Utah State, I'm sure you had a vision and a goal. Did you ever think you'd get here that quickly? Um, you know, I mean, I, I was hoping to. I'm impatient. I'm competitive. No, <laughs> 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 so, to be completely honest, you know, the first two years were a struggle. It was, it was hard. And, um, you know, I, 
made some changes and and got some different people in here and I'm really happy with with the coaching staff and the support staff that we have and like I'd said earlier just really um really happy and and um grateful that the team is bought into the culture and so you know it's it's getting the right people around you and and getting people to buy in and and fortunately we were able to to do that so um just really excited about the future of of Utah State gymnastics because I think I think it's only going to continue to get better. Right, you, you talk about the future of Utah State gymnastics. Uh, you mentioned Autumn; she's going to be back for another year, but you've also yes. got a couple others that are going to be back. Is Sophie Sullivan named the freshman of the year? And uh, so, you, what are some of the other uh, athletes that you have that uh, we can plan to have back and could have other outstanding years ahead? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Soph, she's incredible and just, I mean, she's setting herself up just to have an amazing career here at Utah State. And I'm I'm just so excited that, that she's here with us and, and we get to experience that with her and get three more years with her because I think she's she's such a competitor. Um, obviously, Leighton Varnador, um, she's coming back and um, just excited to, to – have her come back and then um, excited to get her sister back too. her twin sister, unfortunately had a uh, season ending injury that happened um, our first, our first official practice back in September. So um, we're getting to go ahead on her to start uh, coming back and getting going. And, and Logan was one of our best vaulters. Um, so, and also was in our bar lineup. So excited to get her back Um and then, you know, we've got, I mean, the team is so strong and they're so supportive of each other. Um, and we've got a strong freshman class coming in too. So um, we're just, we're excited, you know, sad, sad to have the, the season end, but excited for the future. Coach, let me ask you about that. The, the season ending prematurely. How did the team take that? What were those initial moments after you got the news? It was weird. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, you know, we were we were practicing that morning, but there was a lot going on. Um, I was on a board of directors call trying to figure stuff out. And at the beginning of that call that started at nine o'clock or nine a.m. Um, and then an hour later, you know, we our meet was on at Utah. And then by the end of it, it was the meet isn't happening anymore. And I had gone to the gym because the girls were still, they were working out during that time. And then we, we just kind of got shut down and there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, and then it just, it really has been unfolding, you know, minute by minute and things are changing all the time. So um, yeah, it was, it was just bizarre. Um, but, you know, I talked to the team, talked to our seniors and we were so fortunate um, to be in the position that we were to at least let Ellie and Brittany have their closure in the spectrum. They got to compete against BYU. They got to close out their career on a win, on a high, being undefeated. Brittany had her PR on bars. Ellie came back in and competed a floor team that she hadn't um, competed, uh, a skill in the floor team that she hadn't competed in two years and got to do that. And I'm just, like I said, just so appreciative and so grateful that that those two were able to get the closure that they got because there's so many other 
student athletes across the country, you know, Utah included, because we were going down there and we were going to be a part of their senior night, that their seniors didn't, didn't get to have that. And it breaks my heart, you know, being an athlete myself. So once again, not to be a broken record, but just so appreciative and grateful that we were able to send those two out on the note that we did under the circumstances. Coach, you've been to North Carolina. You've been at UCLA. Uh, as you spent about two and a half now years at Utah State, how's your time in Logan? How have you enjoyed Cache Valley? I love it. I've got the most beautiful view from my apartment of the mountains, and it just—I'm like, I'm looking at it right now. It's just—it's gorgeous, and it just never gets old. And I just love the community. Love competing in the Spectrum. Um, the crowds this year were awesome and um we're just hoping to build off of that because i feel like we've got a really great product and you were saying you haven't you need to get more educated so you need to come to a meet amen yes i am <laughs> I, that's on my bucket list too i'm gonna be coming to some more meets great um because like i said we've got such a great product it's it's such an awesome environment and i really feel like the young women on our team represent um utah state at the highest level and just so proud of them and what they do and, and how they how they represent. Coach Smith, uh, the coach of the year, the Mountain Rim Gymnastics uh, Conference, uh, Utah State's head uh, gymnastics coach. Let me ask you, with what's going on right now, the current state of things, NCAA has extended its quote-unquote dead period where yeah. you can't have contact with athletes right now for recruiting, at least not in person. What is that yeah. process like for you to try to still have some content or, or contact and some way of doing recruiting in these strange times? Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to get creative. And um, we've been asking a lot of questions of our compliance department and trying to find out what we can do. You know, we had a couple athletes that um, we were hoping to get out here for official visits and that didn't happen. So uh, myself, Amanda and I, uh, I'm sorry, myself, Eric and Amanda, um, you know, we jumped on a Zoom call with them and we're all sitting there for an hour on, on a Zoom conference call with uh, different athletes and just trying to do the best that we can under the circumstances that, that we're dealt right now. So it's it's been interesting. It's been very, very interesting. Uh, how, yeah, because with most athletes in most sports, you need to see them in person to see how they you can interview, you can ask questions, but don't you need to see them in a meet or somehow to see how they react to different situations? Absolutely. I mean, that always helps for sure. Um, and it goes both ways in that these these few athletes that we were doing these Zoom calls with, they didn't get to come on campus and, and see Logan and see how beautiful it is here and do a campus tour and, and you know, see us train. So it, it goes both ways in in kind of how it's um, it's making it a little bit more difficult. But like I said, we've tried to be creative and, and um, asking lots of questions of compliance of what we can and can't do. And that's kind of changing um, minute by minute, too. We've gotten a bunch of emails today that sort of the COVID-19 recruiting uh, rules are changing again. So it's it's a crazy time. It's, um, it's yeah, a little bizarre. <laughs> And I guess just as a as a follow up with that is your contact with your current athletes. And there's yeah. a lot of anxiety and uncertainty right now. What 
what kind of role do you play to reach out to them and stay in contact with them to make sure that they're staying up on their schoolwork and their physical activity level is staying at a high level as well? Yeah, you know, we, I mean, kind of the same thing. Um, We've been doing um, team meetings via Zoom, getting everybody in the same space. Um, and, uh, and then weekly, um, each of myself and then my two assistant coaches, we kind of take a chunk of the athletes and rotate weekly, but every week, someone from the coaching staff is talking to everybody so that, um, we're staying in contact with them, making sure that they're doing okay. Um, and just managing that stress and anxiety and staying on top of school because everything's online right now. Um, so just making sure that we're on top of that, uh, our academic coordinator, Jeremiah, he's been fantastic and being really proactive with them as well and and keeping up on that. And then we've continued with our weekly academic meetings. We're just doing them in our living rooms. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's what we've been doing, um, thus far. And yeah, just trying to check in with them and, making sure everybody's doing okay. Coach, do you have a message for the Aggie Nation? Hey, just hope to see everybody out next year. Uh, We open at the Best of Utah again down in Salt Lake City. It's an incredible, incredible event. And um, would just love to see more Aggie fans in the stands, more blue than and less red. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think after a year like this, that that's definitely going to help. Uh, she's the head coach of the Utah State gymnastics team, and she now holds the honorary title of Coach of the Year, which is not an easy thing to do in this conference. Coach, thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate you. Stay safe. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it, and hope to see you next year at a meet. All right, thanks, Coach. Eric, uh, yeah, that's. I think we have a great mandate planned. Gymnastics <laughs> meet you and I. <laughs> mandate, nice. Uh, no, I mean it's phenomenal where it, it started out. Even though she, you could, she felt confident where they were going. Um, picking up wins as a team were a little bit difficult. Starting yeah. out one and six, and then finishing seven six and one tells you the type of momentum that they were building. They didn't lose at home. Uh, the seniors were able to finish their careers at home with a victory. Uh, and a lot of conference honors for for this uh, USU gymnastics squad. So uh, recognition is absolutely deserved, and happy that we're able to have her on and help share with some of that. Yeah, one of the best, and she's got a great personality too. You can see why the girls love her to death. All right, coming back, we're going to wrap up the show. That's right, folks. We're done. Four to five p.m. Monday through Friday, right now until sports does officially resume. But don't forget tomorrow. Here on this show, we will play our Sam Merrill interview that Eric and I had a chance to spend 20-plus minutes with Sam and then talk about what it was at Utah State, the Las Vegas uh, the Las Vegas three nights in which he was spectacular, and, of course, his future in the NBA. That will be coming up tomorrow here on the Full Court. You don't want to miss it. No, it was great. It was stuff. really, really interesting. Yeah, Eric killed it with the questions. I sucked. But it was I don't know really good that. stuff. All right, we'll co- we'll take a break, come back, wrap it up here on the Full Court Press. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Full Court Press, Eric France, and there I'm Audrey Salison. And jump, skip, and a hop, and we are at the end of the show. Hey, you know, we had a really interesting interview yesterday. Yes. Luke Lofthouse. Really good. Utah Valley Wrestling Program. Mm-hmm. 
Old Dominion today announced they are discontinuing their wrestling program. If these financial problems continue because of coronavirus, if if it affects the college football season, I fear for those. Yeah. I have to call them fringe sports. No, you do. And it's exactly what it is. If they'll be able to survive some of these cuts, that's the biggest concern. And financial I have. impact. What and Eric, I got to ask you: If they don't have football here, what sports will be impacted here at Utah State? In your guess? Oh, the, uh, probably. <sighs> I don't know. It'd have to be the, the smaller men's teams um, for Title IX reasons. If his women's oh, team yeah, is going to be canceled, the men's team's got to be canceled. Okay, so wait. That would be what? Track and field? Probably some form of track and field. Would they... I mean, it depends on how much cost financially it, it becomes, but I would imagine that it's... I mean, yeah. Hopefully it's only one sport. Hopefully it's no sports, but if it is, hopefully it's only one. Uh, you know, if... Minimal. Utah, there's a a school that uh, it was doing dramatic cuts or reductions in in pay for some of their top paid people. Uh, If Utah State wants to save some of their sports, they may have to do the same. If they want to keep their coaches, they may need to cut back a little bit. For Adam Rittenberg, Amy Smith, Eric France, and Amadre Salas, and you listen to another edition of the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The lack of college basketball this year got me thinking about how much I truly love this sport. I know it's not quite what it used to be. The one-and-done rule and players going pro early has made it hard for this sport to have any kind of real consistency. We used to really get to know the players. It was a sport that generated true superstars. Go back to Lou Alcindor and Bill Walton at UCLA. Magic and Bird in 1979. The 80s brought us Patrick Ewing, Hoya Paranoia, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Fai Slamma Jamma. Even Michael Jordan played three years at North Carolina. In the 90s, Duke became the premier program with guys like Christian Leitner and Bobby Hurley and Grant Hill. They stayed four years. Now the best players come and go. Zion Williamson was great at Duke, but he didn't create any lasting memories. And that's okay. The NCAA tournament is still a lot of fun, and we missed it this year. And I eagerly look forward to it coming back next year. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.